This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley-Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season three. It's episode four. Shota Imanaga in the Cubs Con 2024. All right. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on all the social platforms, Fly the W on 670 Twitter, Instagram, of course, it's on Facebook. And, of course, you can email Crowley and I on flythew670 at gmail.com. Crowley, happy CubsCon Eve. Yes, sir. I'm going to record this. I'm going to put this out. And then the next stop for me is uh, the Sheridan Grand in Chicago. Very nice. Very nice. Get there before the snow. Yes, sir. I'm going to sit there and get there before the snow, and we'll go ahead and see what we can do. Very, very cool. All right. So, Crowley, on the last episode of Fly the W, we talked about – the uh, Japanese pitcher, Shota Imanaga, and he had until – go ahead. Yeah, Shota Imanaga, he had until January 11th to sign with the team or else he would have been returned to Japan. So, Dustin, this is where it gets really interesting, right? You know, we we're kind of like, eh, see what happens. The Giants, the Cubs, the Red Sox, and the Angels were the finalists. But on Tuesday – and this is where it got interesting for me – news broke that the Giants were out – and on Tuesday, Bob Nightingale, our guest on the last podcast, broke the news that the Cubs signed Shoto Imanaga. So, I mean, this is absolutely a, a stunning move, Dustin. And, uh, you know, just there's there's a lot of excitement over this signing right now. Oh, super exciting. I think I like this much better than Stroman for one more year. I think it makes a ton of sense. I like the contract. I like everything about it right now, Crowley. Yeah, you know, we talked about it before. If things go good, you could end up having a solid number two. If not, is it a horrible thing to have a number three? You can never have too many pitchers. So I think as far as all of that is concerned, 
I think that that's really kind of key right now. So we're just going to kind of watch this and see what happens. But uh, this is definitely exciting. And so as you kind of take a look here, Dustin, we found out the deals about the contract. And this is where things kind of get very interesting. The deal is a four-year, $53 million deal. But after two years, the Cubs have the option to extend that contract to $80 million over five years. Okay? Now, if the Cubs choose not to exercise that option, if they say we don't want that, then Imanaga has the option to become a free agent and he could opt out. Same after the third year. So after the second and third year, if the Cubs don't uh, give him five, five years at 80, then he can opt out if he wants to. So right now, I mean, you know, both teams, if you're taking a look at this, have the option of um, both teams can, if it doesn't work out, they can walk away. I, you know, it's really rare that you see opt outs right. that but work it's good that for way. both. This is, this is good for both sides. Ton of motivation, obviously for uh, the pitcher, right? He wants to eventually earn that 80 million or even more money as a free agent. So he's going to be super motivated. And this is a good deal for the Cubs at 13.25 million, adding another lefty to the uh, rotation. And then it takes guys that were maybe penciled into the rotation. You move them to the bullpen and it strengthens that part of your team. And the thing too, Dustin, that I take a look at for me is, is that you take a look at some of the other contracts and we've been kind of like scratching our heads at some pretty mediocre pitchers making 13, 14, 15 million dollars. I, I think for the Cubs, they, they ended up getting a guy that's much better than what a lot of people signed for more money. Oh, absolutely. I, I, this, th it seems like it's almost too good to be true, Crowley. I gotta be honest with you. <laughs> well, there's, it's official. The Cubs announced it on Twitter. So one, well, I mean, it just seems like there's gotta be something that we're not picking up on. I know it's official. I know he passed the physical. I know tomorrow he will interview with the media ahead of Cubs con. You'll see him at Cubs con. I know all of that, but something just doesn't seem right. Also, also John Heyman told us on the Mully and Haw show, somebody else reportedly offered him double what the Cubs offered him. He still came to Chicago and he's been in Chicago since before Christmas. Yeah, now we have no idea who that mystery team was, and I am disappointed in myself. I did not see him at the Winterland. I did not see him at Output. <laughs> I did not see him in any of the places that I want to go, so something, something's goofy on that. But yeah, Dustin, who do you think is the mystery suitor for the Cubs? I mean, this is, again, we talked about San Fran. We talked about some of the other teams as far as the Angels and the Red Sox. Who would have offered him double? And he said, no, that's what I would like to know. I mean, is San Francisco still continuing to have their run of bad luck? If I had a guess, I'd say the Giants. I don't think the Dodgers, or I don't think the Angels rather have that kind of money right now. They wouldn't spend it that way if they did. I think the Giants, and I think he thinks he has a better chance to win, develop, and create a higher profile for himself by pitching with the Cubs than he does with the Giants. Well, you know, I, I did, and this is something that I hope our listeners saw. I had a live podcast the other day after the news broke, and we talked to Evan Christie. He's an expert on Nippon Professional Baseball, which is the league in which Shota plays in or played in, and uh, he uses the handle Gaijin guy, and, you know, he's Gaijin Baseball, I mean, and he, and he knows a lot about this. And what he told me, Dustin, and I know you weren't the biggest fan of the signing, but you, Darvish he said a lot of players really look up to you Darvish and you Darvish has done nothing but talk up the Cubs. And so I think in that regard, I think that the you Darvish signing is absolutely humongous and was one of those things that is paying dividends, whether it was with Shohei, uh, whether it's Imanaga right now, I, I think it's huge. And, you know, when you hear this interview with, with Evan Christie got from Gaijin baseball, 
you know, we talk, he profiles a lot about what Imanaga has and certain things like, you know, Dustin, I saw him in the, in the world baseball classic. I saw him pitch two games. I can't make a, you know, a really good call on what the guy offers based off of two games, but I haven't seen him plenty of times and knows a lot about him. So I'm hoping that this interview really kind of helps people understand what the Cubs are getting. And I think some of the things you hear, like he's a fly ball pitcher. Well, Evan tells us, well, he played in a park that is a fly ball hitter park. You know what I mean? Kind of like Cincinnati. So where a lot of home runs are given up. So I would say more than anything, I think that there is a lot to be excited about with this signing and Evan will have plenty to talk about it in this interview right now. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been waiting all off season for Jed Hoyer to make the big move and for us to call an emergency podcast. And it has happened Tuesday, January, what do we got here? Six and uh, no ninth on the ninth. And, and we have literally only like three days before Cubs con. I can't believe this is happening. And so I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Shota Imanaga is a guy that I haven't seen pitch a lot. So I figured I would get somebody that has seen him pitch plenty. And that is my friend Gaijin Baseball. You can follow him on Twitter. And he is a guy that studies all sorts of NPB history. Gaijin, how are you doing, buddy? Hey, thanks for having me on. Oh, it's my pleasure. And, and you know, for, for you this season, there has been so much going on with the different Japanese players that have come over, whether you're talking about, obviously, everything that happened with Shohei Otani, Yamamoto going to uh, the Dodgers, and now Imanaga. It's, 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 you know, between the World Baseball Classic and the offseason, it's really done a lot to promote uh, baseball as far as people being aware of what's happening in Japan. Yeah, absolutely. It's been uh, it's been a great year for that. Um, World Baseball Classic immediately kind of brought it back into the limelight uh, in, in many ways because you know Japan is medaled in every World Baseball Classic, but this was the first time. This is their third title, uh, and uh, the fact that they won it with um, only three uh, guys with MLB experience was something that took a lot of people off guard. And that I thought was pretty, it was pretty cool. And it, it helped really kind of establish NPB as a league to be taken seriously in the North American consciousness, which now, is. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And when you, and when you talk about that, everybody remembers that final at bat when you had Mike Trout versus his teammate Shohei Otani. But for people that don't remember the guy who started the gold medal game, right? Shota Imanaga. And so here he is now on the Cubs. And uh, tell us a little bit about the NPB League for those people that may not be familiar with it. Yep. Uh, NPB is a 12-team league, uh, officially founded in 1950, even though it was a restructuring of a previous league called the JPBL, which had been around since 1936. Uh, 12 teams in that league split up into two sub-leagues, the Central League and the Pacific League. Think of the Central League as the old NL. They're the last uh, league, major pro league in the world that does not use a DH. Uh, which is uh, a point of pride for them at this point in time. And um, the teams are spread out all throughout Japan. They used to be very localized. They're now, you know, all over. Um, you've got uh, the Chunichi Dragons in Nagoya, the Hanshin Tigers just outside of Osaka, the Hiroshima Tokyo Swallows, Tokyo Giants, uh, Yokohama Bay Stars, which uh, Imanaga came from. And then in the Pacific League, you have the Chiba Marines, Fukuoka Hawks, Hokkaido Fighters, 
uh, to Hoka Golden Eagles, Saitama Lions, and Oryx Buffaloes who play in Osaka. Uh, that was that'd be Yamamoto's team. It's a it's a very deep league with a lot of rich history, and it's uh, quite frankly uh, like even even uh, with all with the three uh, WBC titles, it's it's still quite an underrated league, and it's, I think it's. Uh, partially their own fault because they don't make it uh well half the league doesn't make it easy to watch but uh <laughs> it's uh it's it's great fun and i think it's a league a lot of people should be paying more much more attention to and and thankfully this year we've seen that well you know i woke up this morning and as i'm looking around trying to figure out everybody's talking okay there's four teams that are looking at imanaga you got san francisco you got the cubs you got the red Sox, and you got the angels and we saw Otani decide to stick with the West Coast, going a little, going to the Dodgers, and we saw Yamamoto follow him. And in my head, I'm thinking, okay, Angels, San Francisco, probably. I, I kind of just didn't think. But then when I'm looking at Twitter and I saw that the Giants dropped out and that the Cubs were still in it, I'm like, okay, 33% chance, not bad. How shocked were you when you found out that Shota Imanaga has come to an agreement with the Cubs? Uh, I was, I was, I was kind of, I was a little shocked. Uh, I wasn't particularly shocked uh, because the Cubs are almost always in on, on Japanese players ever since uh, Fukudome first came over uh, back in 2007. They're, they've always kind of been hanging around the conversation. Uh, they obviously got Seiya Suzuki as well uh, recently. And um, it was, it was one of those things where we knew Imanaga was going to sign. We knew that the, no, like MLB was not going to let, uh, you know, an ace caliber pitcher of his, of his stature uh, go untaken. So they had to, they had to figure out something. And I, I didn't, I expected the Cubs to be aggressive, much like I expected the Red Sox to be aggressive. It was just going to be, you know, it was going to come down to um, one of those two teams. I never, I never saw the Angels as, as taking it seriously. Uh, so when it was, like when when San Francisco dropped out, I'm thinking, well, 50-50, it's Red Sox or Cubs. Uh, could be very interesting to see where he goes. And uh, he ended up on the Cubs, which is honestly, um, some people are trying to make a make a deal out of it. Like, oh, his home run rate, this and that. Uh, it's not going to be as bad as you think it is. And that's something I've been I've been putting out um, putting out there when trying to trying to uh, tell people because he played at Yokohama Stadium. And if you know nothing about Yokohama Stadium, it is the most homer-friendly park in NPB, outside of maybe Meiji Jingu Stadium, which he also spent a lot of games at because that's another Central League park. So having a high home, like a high fly ball rate, and still managing to keep your home run rate uh, like at or above league average at a place like Yokohama Stadium. That tells me he's he's more of a pop fly pitcher than a than a you know fly ball pitcher, especially because his out the outfield defense in Yokohama has uh, been very hit or miss these past few years. Now I, I'm excited because hey, when the wind's blowing in in April and May, maybe you know he'll be nice. It'll be nice and easy for him, and he'll get you know it, he'll start to feel comfortable at Wrigley Field. Now you mentioned a little bit earlier, you know Fukudome was with the Cubs, and then obviously uh, Seiya Suzuki's on the team now. And for Cub fans, we were all hoping that Say would be at the World Baseball Classic and try to get uh, Shohei or to come to Wrigley. <laughs> Do uh, Seiya and uh, Imanaga have any kind of connection or played on a team before with each other? Uh, I believe they were on the Olympic team together in uh, 2020. Well, 2021. 
Um, or wait, was never mind. Uh, so this is gonna make me seem like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> um, say Suzuki, just pulling that up. Yeah, they were on. They were on the uh, 2020 Olympic team together, and um, well, 2021, 2020 in air quotes. Um, and um, they they're around the same age. They've come up on the national national team in actually no he wasn't on the olympic team uh sorry that's my, my bad um like they, they've come up around the same age i believe they were on the they were both on the 2019 premier 12 team sorry not the olympic team uh and uh you know coming up around like being star players coming up around the same age they're going to end up on the national team together quite a bit and um, even though they played for rival clubs, uh, I think that, you know, especially guys like like Seiya and Darvish did have some pull in, in bringing Imanaga to the Cubs. Because like like I've, I, I told you before we were shooting this, every player who every every NPB player who played for the Cubs, you know, talked about how good of an experience it was. They are one of those teams that treats their NPB players right. Uh, as opposed to some other teams which tend to um, sign for the publicity and then realize, oh, well, well we didn't know what we were going to do with him like the Reds did with uh, Shoko Akiyama. So it's um, it, it, like to say these guys don't talk is is, you know, <laughs> right it's just uh, it's like yeah, yeah even just like american mm -hmm. players and, and latin players you know they're going to be talking about what's the best place to go in facilities and mm -hmm. whatnot and and to me I, I think this is there's two things about this i think of number one is imanaga is going to know somebody i mean it i think people yeah. don't understand how difficult it is not just to come to a new country a new league but baseball is one of those games where everybody's kind of talking with each other in the locker room that's part of the fun of baseball yeah. And, and to not really be able to communicate with your teammates has got to be tough. So to have somebody that he could just kind of lean on, I think I think that's going to be really good. I think it's going to help both Imanaga and I think it's going to help say a little bit. Yeah, uh, it, it definitely it like it was part of the reason why um, the Mariners were always so big on bringing in Japanese players when they had Ichiro. They brought in Kenji Jojima. They brought in, uh, you know, Shigatoshi Asagawa. They brought in... Um, uh, all these guys, it was to keep that kind of core nucleus around Drew, keep him happy and, and do all that stuff. And, and Hey, you know, you play better when you're comfortable. And it's why we often see in, in, in Japan as well, when a foreign player first comes over, you're at a much bit greater advantage. If you are playing on a team that has a veteran foreign player, a guy who's been there for a few years, knows the deal can help you navigate the weird new country. And it's, it's very similar with, um, with uh, Japanese players coming over to MLB, having a a Japanese MLB vet on your team, even if he's only been there for a couple of years, is a big, big selling point. And it's kind of an underrated selling point, too. Now, my question then here is for all the Cub fans that are out there and said, OK, we got Imanaga. Now what? What does he feature? What are the what are his pitches? What does he kind of lean on? And is there anything very unique about the way his style of pitching? He's uh, he's mainly a, a um, fastball mainly a fastball pitcher, uh, but he does work in a slider and a curve and a change uh, at around 15% each. Um, actually, no, uh, his fastball, his, his slider and his curve were about 
sorry, slider and his change ascent. Uh, he works in a, a curveball around uh, eight to ten percent of the time, depending on the year. Um, he works a lot. You know, he he works uh, a lot um, around the corners. He's his zone percentage is around. 48 to 49 percent, depending on the year. But he's he's someone who very much sneaks up on a lot of guys. Uh, he'll his uh, inside the zone swing percentage is only around 65 percent, 65 to 68 uh, percent. So he he'll be able to freeze you on a much um, on a much more uh, you know uh, consistent basis than uh, most guys. And he also has a fairly his whiff percentage has gotten, he's been going up steadily throughout the years. And he led uh, NPB in strikeouts, all of NPB, not just the Central League uh, this past year. He, um, he, uh, okay, sorry, sorry about, I'm um, just running through stats uh, here. I got that all up on my screen. Uh, he does, he's been getting more and more outside swings. He's been working a lot more um, around that corner around the corners and uh, he's his fastball movement is something that has been praised a lot. It has a lot of break on like, well break on a fastball, but it, it it's a fastball that moves. Right. And, I heard it's got he, some rise to it. Oh yeah. It's got some rise to it. It's what some people find concerning uh, because he, he does post, he does put up a high fastball in a lot of places and that may fly in uh, NPB and it may not fly in MLB. We shall see. I, I think the whole fly ball pr- problem is uh, slightly overblown. Uh, given that uh, his home run to fly ball percent is, um, you know, it it's only around, you know, most of the time it ha- hangs around uh, 8%, but it's gotten as low as 3.2%. And that was in 2020. And that was before uh, the massive uh, dead ball that we see right now in NPB. Um, which is why it's allowed guys like uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto to put up a historic season like he did, you know, putting up, uh, getting close to, you know, Buffalo's team records that have stood since World War II. You know, yeah. uh, Imanaga's team is not that old. So um, so he's not quite approaching uh, the records of, you know, the greatest um, base stars pitcher of all time to be Kazuhiko Endo. And uh, Noboru Akiyama, guys who pitched in the 80s and the 60s. Uh, but he is up there with those two guys in uh, in terms of his his value to the franchise and what he's been able to pull off. Uh, another thing is you won't really have to worry about pitch clock, adjusting to a pitch clock, because his uh, tempo is already around 15 seconds between pitches. And that's when he doesn't need to, you know, hurry it up. So it, it shouldn't be too much of a stretch for him to you know, get into the swing of things, uh, in MLB. And, uh, and the fact is he got to yeah. face some of these guys in the world, again, the world baseball classic, which I think yeah. is kind of cool is that you get a little bit of confidence that you're playing some of the best players in the world in that. And, and he definitely held his own. Yeah, he absolutely held his own. And, um, as far as a pitcher, though, yeah. would, would you consider him maybe like, you know, obviously we have our, our ace, our number one pitcher, two, three, four, five. Where would you say like on a, on a good team he would probably slot in as? Uh, on a good team, uh, he probably slots in as around a, a, a three. I think it's probably the best place to put him. He'd be he, he's a solid number three starter. Um, you know, he'd be an ace on a on a much worse team, but the, the Cubs aren't 
like a much worse team, obviously. Uh, so I, I'd expect him to be, you know, your three starter, possibly move up to two if he can really get his sea legs under him. But once again, rookie rookie season in a new league, you're going to have a, you're going to have an adjustment period. Uh, my, my advice to Cubs fans at at like at this point is, you have a great player, be patient. Just remember to be patient because some guys take more time to adjust than others. I think you you shouldn't judge it. Like if he, if he has a couple bad starts in April, uh, don't, don't judge him on that. Wait until, yeah. yeah wait until I was going to say that, you know, it's, it's, it's Wrigley is such an unusual park because it plays like such a pitcher's park in, yeah. in the, in this early spring and in the late fall, but in the rest of the time it plays like a hitter's park. So that's why I was saying earlier, like, you know, when that wind's blowing in off Lake Michigan, the only thing I'm worried about is, is that in Japan they play in mostly domes, correct? Yeah, but uh, Imanaga plays in Yokohama Stadium, which is open air. So, uh, and the Central League has uh, more open air stadiums than domes. Yeah, four open air stadiums, two domes in the Central League. So he he's very much used to kind of playing in that environment. And I believe uh, the wind coming in off of, if I can just pull up a map uh, real quick. Well, I know with Seiya, yeah, you could put, pull up that map. But with Seiya, he, you know, they yeah. always joke around that when he came to visit, it was actually super warm out. And so he felt like the Cubs tricked him like jokingly, but, but, you know, not used to the cold. So I just don't know, you know, is Imanaga going to be used to the cold or is it going to take a little uh, bit of adjustment as well? He, um, he played in Yokohama, you know, kind of right on the day, but Yokohama does get stinking hot in the summer. And, um, just a second, Yokohama state. Yeah. Like Yokohama stadium actually has <laughs> the problem of, the ball, the wind blowing out. Uh, so once again, it, it brings up the, um, the home run problem that is there because um, the wind blows in off Tokyo Bay and blows up North and uh, Yokohama stadium faces Northeast. So I think um, once again, it's one of my things that where I, where I put to like the home run problem is a little bit overblown. Um, once again, um, you know, but the, with the thing with Imanaga is he's not going to blow you away with, you know, velocity. That's not his 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 shtick. Is his velocity is right around average, but he does have some of the best stuff you will ever see. His stuff, like people uh, people were tracking his stuff at the World Baseball Classic, and they said it was some of the best they'd ever seen. And it, it what leads into how he can have an average fastball velocity but still have, you know, 96th percentile XFIP, a 96th percentile K percentage. Um, he barely walks anyone. He, like, he gets a lot of outside swings and a lot of outside, you know, a lot of outside swings and misses. His contact percent is not, it. like, I can, I can send you um, real quick um, a uh, something that uh, Cardinals reek put together uh based on his delta graphs data that uh i think is now the one thing i was going to ask you Mm -hmm. is when when the mets signed kodai sanga and everyone talked about the ghost ghost fork ball and all that stuff Mm -hmm. but i think that the mets i was kind of watching to see okay how are the mets going to deal with this situation um you know as far as in japan they don't play as many games is that correct 
Yeah, they play and, 143 games as opposed to 162. Right, and 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 there's not all the traveling that there is as far as mm. you know, like cross country traveling and like is there like you know you're basically in one time zone, and yeah. so I thought that the Mets did a really good job uh, handling Kodai Senga and making sure to get him kind of six day rest. And I heard that even the Dodgers were thinking about going with a six man rotation with Yamamoto. Do you think that fatigue might be a problem at all with Imanaga? Uh, it, it may be, but once again, Imanaga had one of the, like Imanaga routinely pitches like a hundred, he's pitched 140 innings these past, these past couple seasons. Uh, he's gone up to 170 before in 2019. And that was the best season of his career. He is used to a workload. Uh, he didn't have to be the ace last year as much as he, as much as he had been previous years. Cause you had, you know, obviously Bauer over there, as well as a breakout season from Katsuki Azuma that helped take the load off him. Uh, and he well, won't have to be the ace in Chicago as well. So that's kind of the thing is, is he can, he's going to be a lot more load managed than he was. Because the thing about uh, his, his manager in Yokohama, Daisuke Miura, is Daisuke Miura is a little bit more happy to have pitchers go long. That's kind of his shtick because that's what he did when he was the ace pitcher of the Yokohama Bay Stars. He would go long all the time, and um, he he is he is prepared for the grueling schedule that it would be as prepared as he's ever going to be. And it, it's up to the Cubs to just make sure that they're you know that they can communicate with him on this and make sure that you know if he if he is starting to feel the fatigue, run him on a six day rest thing you know, try and get him up to that speed and then, you know, this is a question that we got in here from jungle. Steve, try not to get hopes up, but maybe see his press Friday for Cubs con. Cause I think he's, he's doing his physical. Obviously, you know, mm -hmm. we're now in the, in the point where everybody's got, you know, to look at the medicals, do a physical and stuff. So if he's going to be here Thursday, my guess is he doesn't just take the physical and jump on a plane. Do you think that the Cubs would, you know, or do you think that, Imanaga would be interested in seeing what the, a fan convention in the United States would be because honestly, a lot of Japanese players, I understand they want to be with their mm. families. That's a really long way to travel for a three-day fan fest, but he's here. It might be something pretty cool for him to kind of be a part of. Oh, it would be cool. I mean, uh, fan fests are something that uh, all NPB teams do postseason. They grab a, grab a bunch of their stars together. They fill up their stadium and they just kind of have like, you know, events, games, kind of like small little competitions or even uh, even a talent show. There was a there was a thing where um, a Tokyo Giants reliever at this year's Fan Fest sung a beautiful acoustic cover of a uh, famous 80s Japanese pop song and had the whole crowd at the Tokyo Dome just kind of like go, oh, my God. Like you hear you hear the crowd audibly gasp when he starts singing because he's actually good. So like Fan Fests are not something he wouldn't be familiar with, you know, and, um, you know, if, if, <laughs> if, if he wants to do something like that, that's him. I can't speak to him obviously, but I, I don't think he'd be too uncomfortable by the notion, you know, uh, I'm just telling you, there's a bunch of crazies here. I am. I'm one of them. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's a, we get a little bit, uh, wound up. It's, it's right now it's about uh, 31 degrees and we've had about like three to four inches of rainy slushy snow. So we're, we're ready to cut loose. So I think Imanaga <laughs> might be surprised. You know, one thing you and I also talked about is the fact that I, I, I wish Cub fans would realize how important you Darvish 
was and 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 you know you darvish carries I, I feel he carries like a lot of weight among other japanese players and he was a guy who was here a couple of years and he was hurt one year and didn't really do that well and then all of a sudden he was in the running for cy young he was close to cy young and then trevor bauer won that and uh i just sat there and i said to myself man people, you know when he was healthy he was absolutely phenomenal and not only that though i feel like Look, he doesn't have to tell everybody, oh, Chicago's great, Chicago this. He could say whatever he wants. It doesn't matter. But I feel like he always, every time I hear him talking about Chicago and talking to other players about Chicago, it's in a positive light. Positive light, yeah. Uh, he's the he's the reason you guys have Saya, flat out. He's he's the reason. He was the kind of he was the guy who got in Saya's ear and basically said, hey, Chicago is a great place to play. They want you. They'll give you the time to you know, figure yourself out. So I, th I think the, there's the thing of like, you know, everyone likes to fancy their team as a contender, but there are some players that need it, some Japanese players that need to have that experience of playing on like a mid pack team where there's not as much expectations going into it. You know, I, I don't want to like, I say the Cubs do have expectations this year, but like, it's, it's not like, you know, Yamamoto going to the Dodgers where the pressure is on him day one perform or you are going to, you know, face the wrath. Right. This, and, and again, when you take a look at the contract, it doesn't look like it's 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 going to be. I don't know, you know, if it's uh, that I think earth Morosi, shattering. Morosi was saying something in the 15 million dollar per annum. Range. Right. And, and honestly, when you talk yeah. about 15 million, there's a lot of very average to mediocre pitchers getting like 12, 13. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's a whole thing with uh you know the absolute steal the Mets got with Kodai Senga you know partially because of his age but like that like you know 15 million dollars for Imanaga that's a very you know solid you know that that that's something that puts you know it, it it gives him obviously the payday but it also like tempers expectations he's not like the face of the franchise kind of player he doesn't need to be even though he's been that before and he's used to that kind of pressure he doesn't need to be in Chicago. And that that's honestly great for him and great for him getting his sea legs under him, which is something that, yeah. Yeah. One more question I really had for you. I know that we talked a little bit. One knock on him was the home run ball or at least the, the fly ball rate. But the other concern I think with Imanaga and the reason he didn't get the massive contract that, you know, some people thought he might've is concerns about a shoulder injury. What could you tell me about that? Um, when it comes to his shoulder, um, I believe that was, Back in um, back in 2020, he only pitched 53 innings. Uh, he's been steadily building it back up. Uh, once again, we'll we'll know the state of it with the physical. Um, I believe if I can pull this up real quick. Sorry if I'm constantly pulling up data. This this was this is just as much of a uh, <laughs> surprise a, for you as it was. Yeah, it's us, just as much a surprise for me as it was. Um, uh, he, he, he did a cleaning surgery on his left shoulder back in 2020. Um, and the off season, he, uh, quickly, you know, got back up to speed by, you know, once again, by 2022, he was pitching 140, he, he was back to being a qualified starter pitching at least 143 innings a year. Um, and he, he built it back up to 148. He is, you know, good to go. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't ignore it but I wouldn't be super concerned about it at this point in time. Um, unless, you know, the Cubs find something at the physical and we've got like a, a Carlos Correa situation, which I hope not. 
for your sake (laughs) (laughs) for your sake i hope we don't have a carlos correa situation Uh, yeah the way it's been here um you know and and just to kind of give some of our listeners some context so he's throwing about 140 pitch innings justin Steele last year threw about 173 so if that just kind of gives our our listeners just a little bit of perspective so you know there's going to be some adjustments like you said but you know, all mm-hmm. in all, it, this is not some, you know, a rookie young kid who's kind of wet behind the ears. This is a guy no. who knows how to pitch, who in a lot of different ways has faced a lot of top tier hitting, uh, both nationally and internationally, and he should be ready to go day one. Yeah, you have a 30-year-old veteran ace pitcher is what you now, have. What, you have guy, what would you yeah. be, what would be the final words that you would say to Cubs fan when it comes to Shoto Imanaga? Uh, be excited, be excited. You have a solid pitcher. Uh, let him know he's loved, you know, don't like if, if he struggles, don't be too hard on him initially. Cause everyone does, uh, when they're, when they're starting out, it's very rare, like that people come out and immediately dominate. Also just, you know, be happy. You, you got someone, you got someone solid. You have a, a solid piece in the rotation. You have the uh, knowledge that your your front office is willing to spend, uh, especially with some of the bigger free agents still on the market, I'd say celebrate this um, and uh, get ready for the season because you're going to have a, like, th- he's not going to be the piece that puts you over the top, but he definitely helps you be in contention for the NL Central. Well, I really appreciate you guys jumping on, especially at such quick notice. But I, you know, I, I said I, I got to get somebody that really can can speak to Shoto Imanaga, and you really kind of opened our eyes. We got some listeners saying thanks uh, for this, and again, thank you, Gaijin, for jumping on. We appreciate it. Why don't you give out your social media info so that people who want to find more information out about uh, Shoto Imanaga or any other Japanese pitcher can follow you? Yep, uh, I'm on Twitter and YouTube as Gaijin Baseball. Uh, on YouTube, I do, um, you know, deep dives into different parts of NPB history, uh, stuff that I find interesting. I'm actually working on a big project right now, but I won't self promo that too much because that's not my, uh, that's not my place. No self promo, man. I like self promo, man. I'm I'm working on it. I'm working, I'm, I'm working on a big six part project on, uh, the best players from every prefecture in Japan. I'm editing part one as of right now, it's about an hour long and that just covers seven prefectures. (laughs) <laughs> or eight so it's just like uh out of the 47 so it's you know it's it, it's a wild ride there's a lot of very interesting people um both you know guys who were superstars and guys who had mediocre careers but still remain very interesting people um uh, for that point like and um you know i do what i do <laughs> on uh, twitter and youtube and uh i also have a small in instagram account all uh username gaijin baseball if you want to check me out um and just so you know my buddy richie here says carly's the best at self promo so i (laughs) I might know all about self promo so you have nothing to worry about gaijin baseball thank you so much for hopping on here and if you decide you want to come see imanaga pitch in chicago you 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 hit me up and we'll grab a couple beers and i'll show you around town I'll, i'll take you to nisei bar the oldest bar in wrigleyville perfect thanks a ton man Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are pleased to be joined by Jen Martindale, Senior VP of Marketing for our Chicago Cubs. And it is uh, Cubs Con Eve as we are recording this, Jen. But uh, I know you've been uh, busy with Cubs Con for just a little bit, huh? Yeah, you know, we really start planning it right after the last one wraps because... I think usually within 48 or 72 hours of it wrapping, we send out our survey to all the um, convention goers to get their feedback. And we start taking that and making adjustments right away and planning out the next one. Well, Jen, one of the exciting new features, and and I kind of was listening to Marquis. Somebody said something. I said, I'll go to the app store and just see. And boom, the app. This is like the coolest thing. Everybody's all kind of freaked out about it. Um, and if I know it was at the Apple store and then it wasn't in the Google play and people were panicking, but it's all up, it's running. So if people don't know, you can go to, if your iPhone or if you're an Android, you can go and get an app to help you kind of set up your weekend. Yeah. I noticed, on on Twitter, I saw some fans had discovered it before it had actually been um, populated and pushed live. You guys are all so smart and sneaky. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is one of those things that came out of the survey from last year, which is people, you know, expressing that it wasn't always clear what was happening when, where things were happening, that if you weren't super familiar with the Sheridan, if you are a newer convention goer, you didn't always know how to get to where you needed to be. And we understand that we used to do paper programs, but with you having to have your mobile device with you to get into convention, we thought this would be the year to say, what if we just put it on everybody's mobile device and they would just have it hopefully in their pocket and with them the whole time. Yeah, like the map. I was like looking at the map. I'm like, oh my god, this is pretty darn accurate. So uh, obviously that was that was the first thing that I was kind of taking a look at and saying, hey, you know, this is something that is going to be very good for all Cub fans. And so as people get there on Friday and hopefully they're beating the storms. Yeah, you know, we're kind of taking a look here and registration is going to be like normal downstairs at noon. Yep. So no changes there. And and then one of the new things that you guys tried out last year, and I think it went over really well, was the blue carpet. And that's going to be happening again this year at uh, 5 p.m. on Friday, correct? Correct. So we'll have the players walk the blue carpet. They'll have a chance to interact with fans before we head into opening ceremonies. Again, feedback from the fans is we want more access to players, more opportunities to see them. And so the addition of the blue carpet's just been a nice way to kick off the weekend. Now, is Cody Bellinger going to be the first guy walking down the blue carpet, or is he the last guy walking down the blue carpet? Seriously, Dustin, you guys know more Uh. than me. (laughs) (laughs) So we got opening ceremonies, which is always, you know, a lot of fun. And then off the mound with Ryan Dempster. And then for the second year in a row, again, you guys are going to have Harry karaoke. So I have my singing voice ready for everything. And that'll kind of lead us into Saturday. One of the big questions that I have, and this really kind of comes from the autograph seekers, is you guys said this year 
that you aren't going to be having the scratch offs or the pull tabs. Mm -hmm. So I guess the big question is, is obviously some names like Dansby Swanson are going to be bigger than say Coy Hill. Mm -hmm. So how is that going to work? Say the morning of, of Saturday, when it comes to wanting to get autographs of your favorite players. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to take an equitable approach to autographs where, you know, instead of giving you a specific voucher, you can pick the player that you want to prioritize and go see. A lot of the feedback we got last year was around certain players being underutilized. Like we heard from fans, hey, so-and-so was sitting there and there were no fans in line. And but I had, you know, had this big log jam over here. And part of that was the voucher system and us not doing a great job of matching up the number of vouchers with the amount of time the players were there to sign. And so this year we're just going to a very basic approach where every player is signing for one hour. Now, if you are one of the first 100 people in line for that player, we are guaranteeing you we are going to make sure the player gets through at least 100 people during that hour. But they're not they're not necessarily going to stop. You know, they're going to sign for a full hour. Some players are going to sign faster than others. We know this. But, you know, we're saying to people, you may still sign up even if you don't get the ticket saying you're a guaranteed autograph. But just realize they are going to leave when the hour is up. And so once that happens, do you clear the lines then? Yeah, we'll clear the lines. You don't get grandfathered into the next player who's coming up. You're going to have to clear and, and get back in line. I'm telling you, Dustin, you got to plan for these things. So the sessions are going to start on Saturday with Jed Hoyer. And Jen, I thought you did a great job of telling Jed to start moving because now all of a sudden I think that session has gotten a lot more popular. I mean, Jed knows he can't come to the convention without bearing any gifts for y'all. <laughs> And then Ian Happ is back with the compound. And then obviously one of the big headlines that the Cubs made was Craig Council. So definitely very excited to hear about Craig Council. You got the, um, once again, Ian Happ is going to do the compound for the second year row and the guests look phenomenal for that one. That's one people are not going to want to miss. But, you know, one thing, Jen, I want to talk about that's really interesting to me is, is that you guys are really utilizing Ed Hardig this year. And if people don't know, he's a Cubs team historian. And it's kind of like I'm almost pulled because I don't know what I want to go to because you have these sessions. But then there's also Ed's doing a lot of things like looking into the Cubs uniforms. Uh, he's looking at the Cubs Hall of Fame class. And there's nobody that knows more about Ed on that. And the one that you got that the Cubs, I know they did stuff during the season. And you guys did the um, the vintage programs. You redid those this year, some of those. Yeah. But but he's going to have a class on Dorothy and Otis Shepard. And if people don't know that, they were like groundbreaking and graphic designs for yes. uh, Cubs programs. What was that? I mean, was it, you guys came up with that? Or is it something from the feedback of the fans? But I'm really excited about that. Yeah. So a few things. Um, one is we've always had this idea of somehow letting Ed kind of teach mini classes to our fans and, you know, allowing our fans to go really deep with him on certain things. And then we married that with the fact that, again, in the surveys after last year's convention, people were kind of yearning for some like counter programming to what was happening in the ballroom. It's like, well, yeah, if I want to go sit through eight sessions in a row, great. But if I don't, I feel like maybe I don't have an alternative. And given that this is really a well savvy, well-educated fan base that shows up here, we thought they'd really enjoy the opportunity to go spend a little time with Ed and go deep into very like specific topics of the Cubs and Cubs history. Another person that you're going to have out there who is a friend of mine, friend of the pod, he's been on before, Lucella. So that's going to be another one for people that are interested in Lucella, if you haven't heard that episode of our podcast, he's the one that's done all the statues on Statue Row. We have the 40th anniversary of 1984 coming, so he's working on a Ryan Sandberg statue right now. But 
Um, that's going to be really fun here because this is a guy that has so much history, like with the Cubs, it's going to be in his process. I, you know, it's really interesting to hear him talk about his work. Oh yeah. I'm going to sit in on one of those sessions most definitely. Um, and you're right with the unveiling of the Sandberg statue this year, we felt like it was a great opportunity for fans to hear from him on his process and how he worked with Ryan and the Cubs organization to make the statue. If we're lucky, I know we're not going to be revealing it to y'all this weekend, but he might be able <laughs> to bring some things out that will give you guys you know, the spirit of what you're going to see this summer. And speaking of 84, you got some core of 84 and those guys, if you've ever listened to Sut and, and Sandberg and some of those guys, um, you know, Gary Matthews, Bobby D and Jody, I mean, for me and Dustin, that's what we grew up on. So those, that's going to be an absolute one that people cannot miss. And I will say again, just going back to what the fans asked for, um, came up again and again in the feedback. Like you got to bring the guys from 84 back. And so we're trying uh -huh. to, to give you all what you're asking for. And we're happy to have them coming. Yeah, it's going to be a super now exciting session really quick. One of the things that uh, I've been a part of with the uh, 670, the score, the Mully and Haw show last year, I was there. I always find it very interesting. Um, the Ricketts family meeting, right? This year we're not doing it. Is this something maybe, every other year how, how do how do you guys decide when to do that when not to do that how, how does that get discussed I, i'm sure the fans like it i mean and i heard the time is going to be accessible he's always accessible he's always around but so tell me about how you decide to do that or not to do that and then exactly the official thing tom's doing where you can i heard have a beer with tom or something like that yeah. Um, so again, we're listening to the feedback we're getting from people through the survey. Um, the the family panel, as we often refer to it, or the ownership panel, was voted the um, not the most popular session, actually, Dustin. Okay. So right. we had to force rank it among all the other experiences and based on the feedback of what fans said, A, that they chose to participate in, and B, what they liked or didn't like about convention, the ownership panel consistently was not, not a winner. And so- okay. Maybe that's more for us. Maybe that's more for the media than it is for the fans. So that's so, why- So yeah, so Tom will be around and we do invite every um, guest to come to Tom's reception on Saturday. So this is a way for fans to be able to come into Shula's. Tom's gonna be in there hanging out. We, you know, we'll make sure that y'all have a snack and have some time alone with Tom and you'll have a chance to talk to him, whatever you want to talk about. He's not going to be doing a panel. He is going to be walking around, shaking hands and engaging with any fan that wants to spend time with him during that time. Very cool. Very cool. And for those of you who haven't been to the Sheridan, it's right when you walk into the right is Shula's. It might be kind of a little something that you don't really see. So as you walk into the entrance, Shula's is going to be right there. So that'll be great. Obviously, Jen, you know, my love of CubsCon bingo goes way back. So, of course, <laughs> the incomparable Wayne Mesmer will be back. And I'm hoping that there will be plenty of flags that have flown over beautiful, historic Wrigley Field. Um, when we get to Sunday, coffee talk, uh, African-Americans in baseball. Mm -hmm. uh, that That's going to be something I think that's going to be really interesting. Obviously, Buck O'Neill was in the Hall of Fame recently. He was in the Cubs Hall of Fame recently. And there's a lot of ties of what goes on um, with African-Americans in baseball, Chicago Cubs, Buck O'Neill, and of course, uh, Dr. King. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I felt that given that this event happens on MLK weekend, it would be remiss of us not to dedicate some time and attention towards celebrating his legacy. And we thought the best way to do that was to be bringing forth some really um, 
fascinating groups of people to talk about African Americans in baseball, including our alumni. So um, we will have coffee for guests who, uh, as a thank you for getting up early after a late <laughs> night of Cubs bingo. So you'll be able to come and have a coffee with us and those alumni, and then we'll just have a nice conversation and get their perspective on it. Now, I'm getting a little bit too old, Jen, but there is a lot of stuff for kids to do. Um, they're going to have Clark's area, which is right next to the ballroom, and there's a lot of things going on there. But again, a lot of new things came to the Cubs convention after a few years off. You guys got to kind of regroup and redo things. And one of those things was the youth baseball and softball clinic. Mm -hmm. Now, just to make sure our listeners are aware, if you got your Cubs convention pass and you were interested, you should have gotten an email. You can't just show up the day of and expect to be part of the clinic. Is that right? Yes. Thank you so much for clarifying that. Um, if you bought by a certain date, I think it was like, you know, within like the first month or two that convention tickets went on sale, you were invited to register um, kids for the clinic on Sunday. It's for boys, girls of all abilities. Um, it, we actually are doing two of them this year because last year's was so popular and they are both sold out for this year. So if you're um, if the children in your life um, are registered for the clinic, please bring them. If they're not, um, you know, buy early next year and we can make sure that we get them in. But there's plenty of other things for them to do, including the Clark's Clubhouse, as you mentioned, and the Kids Only Press Conference. And and when you talk about the youth baseball and softball, what actually happens? Because I didn't go in there. So maybe you could tell our listeners what exactly is going on. It's I really it'd be creepy loud. if I just showed up. <laughs> it was tough <laughs> last Sunday morning. It's very loud and they get started very early. But um, yeah, so basically last year we had some players, um, some prospects, some coaches in there, and they go through a circuit of different um, you know, fielding and batting drills. So it's really hands-on. No, PCA was in there last year, like helping kids with their fielding. It was really a fun experience. If there's something I would say, Jen, you 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 have been obviously deep in the weeds on this. What are you, do you think you're looking most forward to this weekend? Oh my gosh. So a few things. Like one, I love opening ceremonies. I just think the ritual and tradition of it is something really special and unique that our team does. Um, so tied to that, I'm really excited to find out who got into the Cubs Hall of Fame class of 2024. Um, I'm not a voting member, so I don't have the insight that our alumni and members of the media do, but I'm really excited to see that um, unveiled on Friday night. And then on Saturday, as I said, I'm going to sit in on some of Ed Hardig's uh, master classes. I want my uh, certificate of completion in a few areas. <laughs> that would be, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, Ed just, uh, the guy is like a savant. His brain just works in a way that's different than everybody else's. And if you love the history of the Cubs, there's no one that knows more than that. And when you guys had the 2023 Hall of Fame with Dunstan and Grace, you had that little pop-up museum. I saw Patrick there from Game Used, who's also going to be a Cubs convention. Yes. And so it's just the Cubs have a history and it's really, I think, important that Cub fans understand completely, you know, a little bit about that history because there is so much to it. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we've learned a lot um, over the past, you know, few years in terms of the importance of getting the collection we have out in front of our fans and letting our fans be hands on with that history. So, as you said, we tested some things at convention last year. Then we did the pop up exhibit during um, Hall of Fame weekend during the 2023 season um, in Gallagher way. And now we're expanding on the archive rooms at convention in 2024 and adding these like history classes with Ed. 
Well, I'm, I'm telling you, you know, I'm literally going to close this laptop and drive down to the Sheridan. I, I, you know me, I cannot wait. So it's going to be absolutely exciting. Thank you so much for all the work that you do for this big undertaking. And this goes to Cubs Charities. I don't know if people completely understand that. It's not like the Cubs are taking the money and putting their pocket. This goes to Cubs Charities. A big check goes to a lot of great causes. And, and we thank you for jumping on the podcast. Thank you. I uh, can't wait to see you guys this weekend. And I can't wait to um, see one of our new players, hopefully at opening ceremonies on Friday as well. So I like that. I, I like how that sounds, Jen. Thanks so much. Thank you all. You are listening to the fly, the W six seventy podcast. It's season three. It's episode four. We are on the eve of Cubs con 2024. Don't forget to find Crowley down there and don't forget to listen. Don't forget to download, subscribe to the fly, the W podcast. Don't forget to leave those five star reviews in this segment. We got news. We got rumors. We got all the events surrounding the Cubs in Wrigley field and maybe a little more Cubs con talk. <laughs> well, Dustin, it has been a super crazy 72 hours for the Cubs and after having nothing to talk about for the last month, Jed has gone on the attack, just like Bob Nightingale predicted on our last podcast. I mean, Dustin, I'm so happy this is all happening, but at the same time, can the Cubs not do this the week of Cubs con? Crawley has things he's got to do, man. I'm a busy guy this time. They can't keep, I can't be glued to my phone like this. This is too much. Um, as we're recording this, Dustin, a couple hours ago, the Cubs made one of their biggest prospect trades in a long time as far as the Cubs giving up a pretty big prospect. Uh, the Cubs and the Dodgers made a deal that has the Dodgers sending Yancy Almonte. He's a 29-year-old, five righty reliever. He has some MLB experience. He throws mid-90s and a low-80s sweeper. So the Cubs knew, uh, we talked about how uh, Tommy Hadovy on the Mullion Haw Show stated they needed some bullpen help. He got some bullpen help there. But the big key to this trade, for as far as the Dodgers are concerned, is they traded their number two prospect, third baseman Michael Bush. He is a 26-year-old left-handed power hitter. He plays third blade base, and he can play probably first base. And very H, obviously, right? Right. Very similar to uh, Christopher Morrell. You know, you just, you know, is there something you can do to work on the defense? It's not to par to say Matt Chapman. But again, at 26 years old, still young, I, I think they're going to give him a look. And he's not somebody that has to come up right away when you still have guys like Magical and Wisdom and other guys. Uh, clearly, you want to upgrade that position. But Michael Bush is a very interesting name. And, and if it's one thing the Cubs are missing, it's a left-handed power bat. They're definitely missing that. Uh, you know, it's unless, you know, if they get Cody, then you got two left-handed power bats. And now you can start mixing and matching a whole bunch, right? Right. But in order to get somebody like that, what did they have to give up? Ooh, they gave up 22nd, uh, 2022 second round draft pick Jackson Ferris. He's a lefty starter who's only 19 years old. The Cubs drafted him out of IMG University. And the thing about, or IMG High School, I'm sorry. Right. And the I thing, of, I think the thing about Jackson Ferris, he's only 19, but, you know, he's a really, really, he was someone that a lot of people were very excited about. And then the other one, Zaire Hope, he's 18 years old. He was an 11th round draft draft pick. He plays outfield and he could also pitch. I know that Hope wanted to be like a two-way player like Otani. We'll see what happens. But the thing about this move is it's meant to help the Cubs in the near term, while the Dodgers, who are plenty stacked at the MLB level, have two great prospects that are ready to contribute three, four, five years from now. So, you know, Ferris and Hope were not going to help this team this year or next year. 
2024, 2025 Cubs. But when you talk about Bush and you definitely, when you talk about Almonte, these are guys that are ready, especially Almonte ready to help now. Now. And, and so that's what you're doing, you know? So with the thing is though, is with Jackson Ferris, he was in the top 10 in the Cubs system, currently ranked eighth in the top 30 prospects. So Again, a big move, but um, well, maybe you know. with the signing with the signing of the left-handed pitcher from Japan, this opens that up a little bit. They feel they're going to have him for a couple of years, so maybe he was blocking him. Well, I, I don't, you know, I, I I think that it was a move that they they, they are lacking. That we we know bullpen, about the they're really trying base. to strengthen strengthening the bullpen and third base. Yeah. Right. So those are two positions of need. So you're just, you're not going to get the Dodgers' number two prospect um, for David Bodie. You know what I mean? You're you're going right, to have to right. give something. You're, you're going to have to give something up. And so I think, you know, guy, you know, maybe six, seven years from now, we're like, wow, we had Jackson Ferris. People are going to forget he was in the system, but like, they're going to be like, we had that guy. Yes, we had that guy, but that's the risk you're going to take. You're, you're betting, you're, you're trying to do something. And that's why you have a farm system is to supplement the areas of needs that you have. And there's no doubt that third base and bullpen were areas of needs that the Cubs had. So it matched up. Yep. Makes a lot of sense. Now at noon to on Thursday today, when we're recording this, was the deadline for arbitration agreements and the Cubs were able to reach agreements with numerous players. So if you remember when the Cubs were doing all of this, they had six players that were arbitration eligible. Justin Steele, Adbert Alzali, Mark Leiter Jr., Nick Madrigal, Julian Merriweather, and Mike Talkman. We've talked plenty of times before about the process as far as arbitration. It's not a pretty process. It's basically you try to find a number that you agree upon about what you think you should get paid the next year. And if they can't come to an agreement, then an arbiter decides. And that's where you go in front of a guy. And basically the Cubs are going to try to tear down the guy to explain why he's not worth that much. And the guy's agent will try to explain why he is worth that much. But it's if you remember, Corbin Burns went through that uh, before the 2023 season, and he was pissed off about it. Nobody likes to do it, and teams, if they if they're smart, will do the best that they can to avoid it. Especially with some of the players like Steele and Alzala, you don't want to get those guys upset. You know what I mean? Right, right, absolutely. So Justin Steele, the newlywed, and the Cubs agreed on a four million dollar contract. Adbert Alzala will make two point one one million. And Mark Leiter will make 1.5 million. Nick Magical will make 1.8 million. And Mike Talkman will make 1.95 million. The only person I have not heard yet is Julian Merriweather. So obviously he played a big role last year in the bullpen. You know, he's, he was one of the huge, guys that threw. Huge role. They really depended on him. Right. And he also was one of the hardest throwers that they had as far as velocity. So you know, we'll wait and see what happens on that. We'll have a better idea the next time that we talk with everybody, but um, hoping that the Cubs can get something done with Julian as well. If not, they go through the arbitration process and hopefully, you know, no hard feelings. Right. And the Cubs are the hot team in the MLB news cycle with the uh, hot stove still churning along. Everybody thinking the Cubs are going to have a big week. Heyman was on with us on the score. Wouldn't be shocked if the Cubs landed two of the following Bellinger, Chapman, Hoskins, uh, really interesting stuff. You've got a note coming out of New York, Crowley. Yes. Yeah, Sal Licata, who covers the Mets for W fan and SNY said he heard from multiple industry sources that Pete Alonzo might prefer <laughs> to play for the Yankees or the Cubs. Now here's the thing, Dustin, they have not been The Mets have not been able to come to an extension with, uh, so with Alonzo and it really doesn't seem like he wants to play for the Mets anymore. So at this point, if you are the Mets, I mean, you could always trade him mid season, which is a possibility. You could trade him before the season or you can let him walk and, and make him an offer. And then you get a compensation draft pick. But my guess is 
if they really feel that they can't sign Soto, then they're going to trade him. And I, I wonder how much I probably us as fans, Dustin, we probably put more stock into this, but I just wonder how much the Mets would really want to trade Alonzo to the other side of town, the New uh, York. Yeah, I, I would be shocked. They, they would have to overpay for him. That's for sure. He really is really, really trying to talk his way out of that side of New York. There's no doubt about that. Pete Alonzo. Right. And, and, and then finally, the last one was Jim Bowden was on foul territory TV. And he said that the Cubs made significant offers on Jordan Montgomery Matt Chapman and Reese Hoskins. So we keep hearing Chapman and, and Hoskins, and I don't know with the move that was made today if Chapman is still on the Cubs radar. Right, right. Uh, thought the same you know, thing. That's the first thing I thought about. With with Michael Bush, are they going to give him a try or or what? We, we don't know that just yet. But I think in the end, when you kind of take a look at all of this, um, it, it comes down to the Cubs, like like Bob Nightingale said, that they were going to be aggressive these next five weeks. It's been one week since Bob said that, and and since then, all of a sudden, we went from it being dead silent to a lot of chatter. Lots of chatter. Well, Crowley, that's a wrap. Don't forget to listen, download, review, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow us on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Of course, you can email us at flythew670gmail.com, and you can watch us. That's right. Watch us on YouTube by subscribing to the 670 The Score YouTube channel. Crowley, really enjoy the uh, festivities this weekend, okay? Absolutely, and I hope to see everybody down there. Give me give me a pat on the back. Let's have a drink, and, and let's, let's enjoy it. It's going to be a fun time, and, let, and everyone stay safe out there. Go Cubs! It's all over. 